For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then the ancient sage reflects, what gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before Him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, in regard to New Year's, I feel I need to make a couple of confessions so that you'll know where I'm coming from. First, I have never been much of a party animal <laughs> because I was advised once by a counselor that I have an overactive sense of responsibility, which means it's hard to cut loose and be a wild and crazy guy. Secondly, I have never been able to get into the mood of celebrating New Year's because I don't know what accomplishment or event it is that we're supposed to celebrate. It seems to me there needs to be some thing we celebrate, like Fourth of July or Easter or Labor Day or Memorial Day. There's something that we remember and celebrate, but New Year's does not have that one thing. It is simply the completion of one more 24-hour cycle. One more day rolls in to the next day. It just happens to roll over from the last day of one year into the first day of the next year, as Eva Marie told us. But it's not too different from one month rolling over into the next month or one week rolling over into the next week. It just happens, regardless of what we do or have done. It happens regardless of whether we've won some world championship or we've just lay in a coma for the whole year doing nothing. It just happens. However, I try to keep an open mind, so I've been thinking and analyzing. I've been listening and observing I recognize that there is something emotionally powerful about arbitrary endings 
and new beginnings on one's linear timeline. There is also something natural and healthy about observing the repetitions of natural cycles in that cyclical or circular timeline. There are natural rhythms in life and in life cycles, so it is a good thing to recognize and to celebrate the different rites of passage. Now this is part of the wisdom expressed in Ecclesiastes. Several of those contrasting occupations and activities represent endings and new beginnings, as well as the cycles in our lives and in our communities. The ancient sage who wrote these words begins with a statement describing his observation. There is a season, a time, for every matter under heaven. And after he lists all these examples, he ponders the question of the meaning of it all. Basically, he's asking, what is the meaning of life? Well, we have this gift of life from God. We have all these opportunities to do all kinds of things in the time that's allotted to us. But it does raise the question, does it make any difference what we choose to do with our time? Does it make any difference how we choose to live our lives? We do hear the ancient sage draw one conclusion after he observes life and all that we do with the time that we're given. He says, I know that there is nothing better for them, meaning us people, better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in their toil. Now note, he does not say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we will all die. No, he says, eat, drink, and take pleasure in all your toil. Now, since the phrase starts with, it is God's gift, I believe he's describing the sense of fulfillment and joy in your life when you can take pleasure in all your toil, knowing you are using God's gifts of your special and unique talents and abilities to do God's will with your life. It's a matter of finding that intersection where your God-given special gifts, talents, and abilities intersect with the needs of others in the family, in the community, in the greater world. The pleasure and joy come because you're doing what you like to do, and you're good at it, so you do it well. And the people you help are grateful, for they are blessed. So. It's New Year's Day, and it's time to pause and reflect on how did we use that gift of time that was given to us this last year? How did it go? Did we come to New Year's Eve to celebrate what a great year we had? Or did we come to New Year's Eve to celebrate that this terrible year full of bad events and experiences is finally over? and we can start again. Usually it is the latter which prompts us to make New Year's resolutions. 
We want to learn from our mistakes. We want to make changes so that the new year will be better than the last. And even if we never keep our resolutions, the fact that we make them or even think about them is based on a belief that we can make decisions and we can take actions ourselves that will impact our future and have a positive effect on the new year. Now, even though this is really more of a secular holiday and resolutions are more of a secular kind of thing and exercise we go through, and it's not necessarily spiritual, nevertheless, it can be. In fact, John and Charles Wesley developed a covenant service for New Year's as a very powerful and spiritual exercise for self-examination and rededication and renewed commitment to the way of Christ. We have some of the words of that service we're going to use in our service in a few minutes. Well, this process of pausing in our hectic and busy holiday season for a time of reflection on the last year and assessing what went wrong and what went right and what our decisions and actions contributed to what went right and what went wrong is a very healthy exercise. This act of self-examination was affirmed by Socrates. Anybody remember Socrates? (laughs) Way back when, Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, God gave us minds with which to both learn from experience and observation as well as to reason out a better path, a better course of action for the future. But a critical part of choosing that better path, that better course of action, is to listen to God for God's guidance and to seek God's will for our choices. Well, we believe that God's will is intended for our own good, and not only our own personal good, but the general good for all of God's children, as well as for the good earth on which God gave us to live and move and find our being. However, we realize that there are so many choices. The author of Ecclesiastes just gave us a short list. We have so, so many more things that we could do and so many things that are trying to force their way onto our calendars and demand our attention and our time. One example, email. It's a wonderful thing to be able to communicate outward to others. You know, there's this thing that if uh, you type a message and you click all, it goes to everybody on your list. The flip side of that is what I experienced. I have all of those all messages coming to me. And I checked, and I've got over 16,000 unread emails on my cell phone. Fortunately, I got some advice today on how I can clear them easily, but I've been afraid to because some of those things I don't want to lose. And I thought, I've just got to go through every one and decide which one I need to keep and which ones I can trash. Anyway, Stephen Covey, in his little book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, developed a time management grid, and you can see a sample of it on on the bulletin, for evaluating those demands 
and setting priorities. He created the four quadrants into which you can list the tasks and responsibilities in their respective order of importance. You notice on the left-hand column is the, the word important and not important, and then up at the top, urgent and not urgent. And so you put those together to fill the different, uh, different quadrants. But the first one is important and urgent. And obviously, these are the top priority issues in our life. The second quadrant was important but not urgent. Now, these are things that are valued and concerns that need attention and need action, but not right now, not this moment, and maybe not today. However, they should not be neglected indefinitely. Then the third quadrant was urgent, but not important. Now, these are often the, in, the ones that come to us as interruptions that someone else thinks are urgent, and they want you and me to be the answer to their problem. Now, this can play on our kind-heartedness and, and our sympathy but from a time management perspective and a counseling perspective, it should raise the question, who should own this problem? Oftentimes, the best way to help the other is to encourage that other and show that other how they can manage and solve their own problems, and for us to not take ownership of that problem and try to solve it for them. The other urgent but not important things are those special sales. You know, Christmas sales, end of the year sale, new sales, all those sales that come to us that say we have to act now. We gotta act now, it's urgent. Or we're gonna lose out on this great deal to buy something we don't really need anyway. The fourth quadrant was not important and not urgent. Basically, Covey suggests placing all of your time-wasting distractions into this quadrant and ignore them. It's like throwing that junk mail into the recycle bin unopened or trashing all of those emails that are essentially junk mail also. Anyway, basically, Time management advice is to plan your time and concentrate on all those things that are important. The important but not urgent things need to be put on the calendar. They need to be scheduled and not just left dangling for when I get around to it. But if you do leave them dangling until you get around to it, I remind you there is one in the bulletin. And if you have a lot of things you need to take care of that after the service, since it's New Year's and the crowd's kind of small, we got lots of extra bulletins. So grab some extra ones and take them home and cut out those round to it and carry them around until you get all of those things done. Well, too often there are matters of faith and spiritual development which are in the important but not urgent quadrant, and we seem to never get around to making them a high priority. 
Using Covey's time management advice would mean that we decide and we put on our daily and weekly calendar the time we will dedicate to our spiritual life. Or put it a different way, we can designate a regular time to infuse our daily life with the spiritual qualities of God's love and grace. It's like we're going to open the window and let the Spirit come into our soul. But that takes a decision and a time. Well, as we turn our attention from looking at last year and kind of look to the future and reflect, we can dream our dreams. We can formulate our hopes for the future. And we can think about all the things we're going to do But instead of kind of wishful thinking, we really need to envision the conditions and the emotional and spiritual environment where our hopes and dreams can come to fruition. And sometimes it's more than just planning an action, but rather it would be thinking about how I can be and you can be the kind of person who creates an aura, an atmosphere around ourselves to allow God's love and grace to be able to work at work in the home and in our relationships. As Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. And in that prayerful reflection time, we can attune our ears to hearing God's word to us. Now, honestly, I don't believe very many of us ever actually hear an audible voice of God. However, I believe the way God communicates with us in that prayerful listening time is in two basic ways. There are others, but two basic ways. First, God's Spirit can guide our thoughts, or maybe put a thought in our mind. And second, God will give us a feeling of peace and assurance in our hearts that we are in the right place spiritually. We are on the right path. Or God might put a restlessness, an uneasiness, a discomfort in our hearts, letting us know we're not in the right place. We're headed in the wrong direction. Now, our sensing God's guidance and direction always needs further listening and discernment to test those inner motivations because it's so easy for us to think or feel something that may not be from God. It might be our own rationalizing our personal agenda or ambition or selfish desire and using our reasoning ability to cross that very thin line into rationalizing something. So in order to do that, it's helpful to bounce those thoughts and feelings we think might be God off the major themes in Scripture that tell us what God's will is. And also another way is sharing with a trusted 
spiritual guide before we begin to launch off. And then once we think we're sure and begin, then to be in prayer throughout the journey, taking each feedback experience to God in prayer, listening for confirmation. You are on the right path, you're still headed in the right direction, or maybe you made a wrong turn and need to reassess. Well, for this prayerful discerning process, the ancient psalmist wrote, be still and know that I am God. I believe that verse would be a good one to write down in the time management, or should we say life management quadrant, important and urgent, and then under it, put a time of day or night that you will schedule a time to be still and listen and know that God is God and to open your heart and mind to receive God's presence with you. You can pick up your bulletin and do that right now. There's a little, little quadrant there if you've got a pencil. <clears throat> Take it home and remember that. Now, it would be best if you took 30 minutes to read some scripture to be a guide, or, or if you have a hymnal at, at home, the words in our hymns are such a good spiritual guide uh, to our prayer time. Or cut out the prayers and affirmations from the bulletin on Sunday and, and use those as a, a source of reflection. Those meanings and the words are, are so helpful to planning our day and our week. But even if you just take one minute of time with God to simply close your eyes and take a couple or three deep relaxing breaths and imagine yourself in a holy place, maybe here in the sanctuary or Rose Chapel, and pray to God or to our Lord Jesus to go with you into the day to remind you that you are loved regardless of what happens in that day, and also to help you perceive the opportunities to become a channel of God's love and grace to someone else. Now, I timed that when I was preparing that. It's 45 seconds, not even a whole minute. You could do that. It's doable. Another time could be in your morning shower. Particularly wintertime, it feels so good for that warm water to wash off over your body. But in that time, you could pray, Dear God, wash away my sins and my failings from the past day. And you can even think of them and name them and imagine them going down the drain with the water and, and soap and dirt if you got out and worked and have some dirt to wash off. And pray... As a forgiven and beloved disciple of Jesus, send me forth into this new day, free to be a channel of your love and grace. Again, less than a minute to pray something like that, a doable thing. The ancient sage was asking, does it really make any difference what we do with the time that's allotted to us in life? In many places in Scripture, we find different answers that essentially all say, Yes, it makes a difference. And one of the most powerful is in Micah. God has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, 
and to walk humbly with your God. As the sermon title says, life is a gift, how shall we use it? Well, God wants to show us how to use it if we'll just listen and follow. Amen.